Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. You know, Luke, the ninth chapter, the 23rd verse. If you ask me, Pastor, what is the main desire of your heart? At this point in your life, I'm talking about me personally. I didn't plan on saying this, but I, this is the absolute truth if I've ever told it in my life. If you say, what is the dominant desire of your heart? What do you long for more than anything else in your life? And I'm going to answer it for you. And it's this, that the truth that I'm going to preach to you this morning would be my life every day that I live for the rest of my life. I want to live in this truth. I mean, not intellectually, but experientially for the rest of my life every day. I don't want to miss a day not living in this truth because I believe that this is really what life, where life is, and how we live in days of chaos like we're living in. So I can assure you that this, th these truths mean more to me at this point in my life than in any other truths that I have. By the way, I, I want to say to you that there's a quiet revolution going on today. I, I, I mean, you, they, don't, they don't play it up on television. But you know, you, we, we, we've said all along that the reason America is in the financial condition it's in with multiplied millions out of work who cannot get work and all the trillions of dollars that were bailed out or lost, we've said all along it's all because of greed and covetousness. That our country's in the condition that it's in. But you know, unsaved people, people that don't even know God are waking up. And did you know there are revolutions going on in almost every country of the world against the greed and covetousness? They call it the Wall Street Revolution. Have you been keeping up with that? Thousands of people in, 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 on Wall Street in New York. And then it's spreading to every country. And it's basically like they said... 99% of the people, 1% uh, of the people have all the wealth, and, and it's all related. You know why the price of oil goes up when, when the price of crude oil goes down? Because speculators buy it up and drive the price of oil up. I'm telling y'all, you just watch it. It's a, it's a silent and quiet revolution right now, but it's a growing revolution. And, it, and it's going to get pretty hostile before it's all over. It's amazing how that it just started. It just seemed to come up out of nowhere. And now it's almost in every major city in the world. Watch it. And you ask God to give you discernment as to what's going on and what's going to be the end result that is happening even in our own country. <clears throat> as I was praying Thursday in, in Luke chapter 9, as I was praying Thursday morning just meditating, I just heard the Lord saying to me, listen, you need to 
Call the people. It's like Jesus said, you need to call the people to follow me. Jesus said, remind everyone, including yourself, that you need to follow me. And you know, you go back and you see Jesus in his early ministry. And you know what he was doing? One of the first things he did was to call people to follow him. I mean, people, you know, at, this, at his early juncture, Jesus, he was known, but he wasn't well known. Not like he was when all the miracles happened and as he got toward the cross. But we, but we notice in um, Matthew 4, it says Jesus is walking by the seaside. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net by the sea, and they were, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. wonder what they thought. Here they, they were just throwing their nets. <laughs> and here Jesus comes by and says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know what he says? Now, this is wild. They immediately left their nets. And followed him. Wow. Well, he goes on. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and uh, they, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their, mending their nets, and he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. He just began by calling people. To follow him. Well, our scripture this morning is Jesus calling us to follow him. Oh, yeah, he's calling us. If you've got your Bible open to Luke chapter 9, it's a pretty clear understanding. <laughs> he, he had just told the, the disciples that he was going to go to the cross and die. But he, then he said, he said, but I want to tell you, as I'm facing the cross, this is what I want you to do. In Luke 9, 23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He said, he, he told them what he was about to experience. He said, but now, if you want to follow me, okay, I'm calling you to, but you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, in fact, you can't hold on to your own life. You've got to let it go. Look what he says in the next verse, Luke 9, 24. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. I'm not going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to hold on to my life and live for myself. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So it is obvious that Jesus issued a clear call not only to Peter and Andrew and not only to the sons of Zebedee, James and John, but he gave a clear call to us. He said, now, Fred or Sue or Bill or you, or if, you if you're going to follow me, if you desire to come after me, if you desire to follow me, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross daily, and you've got to follow me. But then he went on and said some amazing words in the 10th chapter of John about his sheep and his followers. He said uh, in, in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, isn't that interesting? Not that my sheep 
No, no, here, uh, I know my sheep and they know me and hear my voice. And just, no, he said, let me tell you what they do. They follow me. And so it's obvious that there's a clear call of Jesus. And he says of his sheep that we do hear his voice and that we do follow him. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about where do you follow him? And when do you follow him? And how do you follow him? Hey, it's obvious that he's called every one of us who named the name of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I remember it was almost, I, I, I tried to figure it up. It was, I believe it was 25 years ago. And uh, there was a period in my life where in the midst of all the rush and hurriedness and pressure of, of pastoring Cottage Hill Baptist Church, that I took 30 days off to do nothing but to seek the Lord. I just told the leadership, you know, I, I need to get all this other stuff off of me and I need to seek God for 30 days. And I did. I did Wednesday night and Sunday morning, Sunday night, but nothing else. It was during that time that Jesus made absolutely clear to me where he wanted me to follow him and when he wanted me to follow him and how he wanted me to follow him. And I, 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 I've never gotten away from it, but it's almost like I hear God saying to me again at this point in my life, now listen, that has not changed. This is where I want you to follow me. And this is when I want you to follow me. And this is how. And as I was praying Thursday morning, he said, I'm telling you, this is not only a, a renewed call to you to follow me. It's a call to Luke 418 Fellowship, the body of believers that meets at Davidson High School. It is a call to this body of believers to follow him. For us to follow him. He wants, he'll tell us where. He'll tell us when, and he'll tell us how. It was amazing to me how that Jesus made it clear to me where he wanted me to follow him. That basically, get this, the places in the spiritual world, the places in the spiritual realm that he wants us to follow him occurred in about a five-day period of his life. Now, he, he publicly ministered but over th about around three years, a little longer. I don't know how many exact days. But publicly, he was in the public eye, baptized by John, working miracles, teaching, all that went on around him for about three years, and then the cross, and then the empty tomb. But now, the places I'm going to talk about this morning happened in about five days of those three years. But you will clearly see that to follow Jesus means that this is exactly where we go. And that we go every day. I've shared parts of this with you before. But you just remember, this is a fresh call from God. And I believe with all my heart, it's exactly where he wants every one of us to walk and live until Jesus comes to call us home. As the Lord was speaking to me, he said, to follow me, follow me. And he said, the first place I want you to follow me is to the upper room. You remember the upper room? 
And he said, when you follow me to the upper room, I'm going to give you a servant's heart. And you'll know me. You know, probably one of the most amazing, this was right before Jesus died, y'all. Probably one of the most amazing things in all the Bible is the upper room experience. It blows my mind. In the 13th chapter of the book of John, Jesus, it says here that it was the feast of the Passover. And Jesus knew that his hour had come, John 13, 1. And he's going to depart this world and go to his Father. And he was with those who were in the world and he loved them to the end. Now, this, this is what he did. Okay. Fixing to go to the cross. This was really one of his last audiences with those 12 men that he'd invested his life in. Did you know Jesus invested his life in 12 men and one of them was a traitor? Oh, there were women all around him too. But I'm telling you, we know them as the 12 disciples, apostles. But this was one of the last times he had with them. And so the, the feast of the Passover was over. So Jesus, after supper, they had no idea what he was going to do. He took off his coat. It says he took off his garment. That had to be that long coat that he wore. And he wrapped a towel around his body and got down. He got a basin of water, a bowl, a, a pan full of water, and got down on his knees and began to wash the disciples' feet. Now, I want to tell you who this is. This is the Son of the living God. This is perfect humanity. And at the same time, perfect deity. And the thing that amazes me is the one who created their feet is now washing their feet. That's, that's beyond me. The Son of God. On his knees. And he takes the feet of John. And can you imagine the hands of Jesus that would soon have the pierced, would have the nail pierced in his hand. He took those hands that had touched the lame and the blind and the sick. And he took those hands and he just laid them on John's feet and he bathed them. And then he dried them with a towel. What in the world is Jesus doing? Jesus, you just have a couple more days with these guys. I mean, every minute's got to count. They're fixing to go out and face the world. And they're the ones that the Bible says turned the world upside down. What in the world? And Jesus, after he washed their feet, I want you to listen in verse 12, what he said. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments, he sat down again and said to them, John 13, 12, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right, for I am your teacher and I'm your Lord. And then he says it. If I, your Lord, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And then he went on in the next verse. I just gave you an example. You know what an example is. You follow it. I've just given you an example that as I have done to you, you ought to do to each other. Now, I'm going to tell you that whole thing was about this. Jesus said, now, you not need to understand about my kingdom. You need to understand who I have been with you for three years. He said, I have lived among you as a servant. I have lived among you as a servant. And I have loved people and I have ministered to people and I have washed the feet of people spiritually. Then he said, I want to tell you, as you follow me, I want you to realize that to follow me means that you have a servant's heart. And you wash people's feet. 
It couldn't have been any plainer. Couldn't have been any plainer. Do you realize that Jesus said that the greatest person in the kingdom of God was not only a child that was humble, but was a servant? Man, up in um, Matthew 23, verse 11, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew 23, verse 11, he's talking about this thing of washing feet, uh, this thing about being a servant. And in chapter 23, verse 11, listen to the words of Jesus. I'm telling you, this blows you away because this isn't the way people think. He that would be greatest among you shall be your servant. The world thinks he's who got the biggest house, the biggest car, the biggest reputation. No, they're great. No, Jesus said... He that would be greatest among you shall be your servant. And he who exalts himself shall be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said, I'm going to tell you, if you're going to follow me, man, you're just going to be a servant. You've got a servant's heart. You're going to wash feet. Man, he goes on and says it again. And listen at verse 25. This is the world we live in. But he said, my kingdom is not like this world. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, he says, But Jesus called them to himself and said, Now he's talking to his disciples. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over each other. They just lorded over each other. And those who are great exercise authority over them, they just rule over them. And sometimes with a despotic and iron hand. He said, You know the Gentiles, they just, those in authority, they just lorded over them. But it shall not be so among you. He said, Let me tell you something. That's not the way my kingdom is. We don't lord it over people. We know. He said, It shall not be so among your kingdom. He who desires great among you, let him be your servant. Well, Jesus, this is radical. I mean, where in the world are you coming from? I thought greatness was the person who had the greatest possessions and the greatest house and the most servants. No, he said, no, you missed it. The person who had authority to lord it over people. He said, no, no. He said, you don't understand. The greatest is the person who is a servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your servant. I'm going to tell you something. The joy of following Jesus is when you have a servant's heart. When you wash people's feet. He said, Brother Fred, you know, we don't do foot washing. I know that primitive Baptists still do that. And I've been in services where people literally washed each other's feet. And I've had my feet washed. And it's, it's one of the most humbling things in this world you'll ever experience. But it just simply means this. You know who a servant is? A servant is somebody that loves people. And listens to people and cares about people. And as much as they can, with the opportunity God's given them and the resources, they really serve people. I'll tell you what a servant is. There was a man laying on the side of the road going from Jerusalem to Jericho. And a priest passed by on the other side. And a Levite passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan came. And here was this man beaten, robbed, laying there half dead. And he stopped got down, poured oil and wine in his wounds, bandaged him up, put him on his donkey, took him down to the inn and said, you just take care of him and whatever it costs, I'll pay it and, 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 and I'll come back and see how he's doing. You see, that man was, had a servant's heart. 
He had an opportunity, and he did what he could with the resources he could. Let me tell you something right now. This thing of following Jesus is not about buildings. It's not about programs. It's about loving people and serving them. It's about washing each other's feet. You say, but Brother Fred, there's some some people that I don't want to wash their feet. I want to cut them off. You need to listen to me. I told the Lord that. I said, Lord, it's easy to wash some people's feet. It's very easy to do that. He said, but I want to remind you of one thing. When I went around that table and washed people's feet, I washed James and I washed John and I washed Peter's and I washed Judas' feet. The man that was going to betray him with a kiss for 30 pieces of silver. I want to tell you. You'll never have the peace and the joy that God wants you to have till you follow Jesus to the upper room and just have a servant's heart. But you know, the next place in those five days that Jesus went, he not only went to the upper room where God just said, I want you to wash feet. You follow me, be a servant now. Love people as I give you opportunity. And then the second place he went was the Gethsemane. And we all know the story of Gethsemane. Uh, He had just told the disciples that he was going to go to the cross. He was going to suffer and he was going to die. And you know what he told them? He said, you're all going to scatter. Every one of you are going to scatter. I I mean, it's amazing how he told them what was going to happen. In in chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 31, listen to what he said. He he said, uh, they're going to smite the shepherd and the sheep are going to scatter. And he's talking about when he went to Gethsemane. Here it is, chapter 26. And I want you to listen to what he said. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, he said, I'm fixing to be betrayed. I'm fixing to be humiliated before Pilate and all that stuff. He said, Many of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. It is written, I will, smite the, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock ha- will be scattered. He said, they're going to strike me and y'all going to be scattered. He said, but after I have been raised, he said, I'm going to rise from the dead. After I've been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Then he went and says here then, then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And said to his disciples, sit here. While I go over there and pray. And he left them there. And the Bible says he went over into Gethsemane. And I want you to listen. In verse 37. This is Jesus now. Of Matthew 26. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That was James and John. Began to be sorrowful. Jesus was sorrowful. And he was greatly distressed. Then he said to them. Now listen to Jesus. He told them. Peter, James and John. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. You know what Jesus said? I am in such agony, it's about to kill me. He said, I, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful unto death. You stay here and pray. He said, this, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, he says, I have a struggle going on in my soul that is enough to, put a man, to take a man's life. It's exactly what he said. And he went a little further, Jesus did. And he fell on his face and prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, as you follow Jesus, he takes you to the place of Gethsemane. And that's where 
you surrender. To, that's where you get a surrendered heart. Because Jesus went into Gethsemane. The cross was just a few hours away. And the reality of the cross, what he would suffer and how he would die, was weighing on Jesus like 10,000 pounds on his back. And man, he just looked at the cross and he looked in that cup that all the cross involved, he looked in that cup and in deep distress he said, Oh, Father, if there's any other way for man to be saved, if there's any other way for man to be forgiven, if there's any other way for a person to be redeemed, would you let this cup pass from me? But then he didn't even break a stride when he said, But not my will, but yours be done. You know how many times he did that? Three times. Three times. He prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, not my will, but yours be done. You know what Jesus did there in Gethsemane? He did what he'd done all his life, but he did it once again. He surrendered to the Father's will. He said, whatever I hear my Father say, I say. Whatever I see my Father do, I do. He said, I always do the will of my Father. Whatever my Father's will is, I do it. And then he came right on to Gethsemane, and he knew it was his Father's will for him to go to the cross. But he looked at it, and he looked at it, and he saw the agony of the cross. He saw the guilt. He saw the shame. He saw the separation, and he saw the sin. And he saw that. And, and I'm telling you, his humanity said, oh God, if there's any other way to be guilty, to be sinful, to be ashamed, to be separated. But i tell you another thing I read. It was almost too, too hard for me to believe. I, I had trouble grasping it. And even as I thought about it yesterday and today, I still have trouble. You see, the cup was Jesus would be guilty. He would be he would know shame. He would be separated from the Father, and he would be made sin. But then I read something. I said, this can't be. But you know why he was in such great agony? Because he knew the wrath of God was going to be poured out on him. Because the wrath of God would be poured out on sin. And he knew that he would experience on the cross the wrath of a holy God against the sin of sinful men. But I'm going to tell you the place where you really live. You know where the place you really live? You really live when you're washing feet and have a servant's heart. But I'm going to tell you when you really live is when you have a surrendered heart. That you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And I found this out. Let me tell you something. The only thing that is eternal is the will of God. The world passes away in all of its lust. But the man or woman that does the will of God abides forever. And so you come to Gethsemane, and there the Lord Jesus says, Follow me. Where, Lord? Follow me to the place of complete surrender. Complete surrender. Where you say in every situation, Not my will, O God, but yours be done. And the Lord said the will of God is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. And it's eternal, but it is not painless. It is not painless. I'd rather be in the will of God next door to, with the church next door to the gates of hell than to be outside the will of God with the church next door to the gates of heaven. I'm telling you, the only thing that is eternal is the will of God, and it is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. And if you and I are going to live the way God wants us to live, we have got to get to the place of absolute surrender. That in every situation in our life, we choose the will of God, no matter the cost. The will of God, no matter what it costs. 
we choose the will of God. It may even cost the cross. But you choose the will of God. It's a place of surrender. But you know, then the next place Jesus went, you see, this is where we want to live. Man, we want to live with a servant's heart. And we want to live with a surrendered heart. Oh, God, that's it. It's not if I live or die. It's just that I have a surrendered heart. And then the third place Jesus went was to Golgotha. Matthew 27. You know, isn't it interesting? Golgotha was, the Bible said it was shaped like a skull. Shaped like a skull. And if the upper room where he washed feet is where, where the Lord teaches us to live and follow him, we follow him with a servant's heart. And if Gethsemane is the place where he teaches us to follow him with a, a, a surrendered heart, then Golgotha is the place where he teaches us to follow him with a sacrificial heart. For, so we read in verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is the place of a skull, people say they called it that because it it looked like a skull. There was some uh, excavations in the thing that looked like eyes. and, and, And they said they called it Golgotha because it looked like the skull of a man. And so Golgotha, he went there. And it was the place of sacrifice. Listen to what it says. And they, came to, and they came to the place called Golgotha, which is the place of a skull. They gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. And when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him. That's four words. But that's unbelievable words. They crucified him. He was born of a virgin, Mary. He lived a sinless life. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He loved like no man had ever loved. He ministered like no one had ever ministered. He taught like no one had ever taught. Never has there been anyone that could compare to him. And they crucified him. Golgotha is a place of sacrifice. It's a place where you die. It's a place where you die. It's a place where you die to yourself. It's my life. I will live it the way I please. Lord, I have waited. I've waited. I want to go to heaven. I certainly would like to have my sins forgiven. I, I don't like the idea of ever being separated from you. But Lord, I just want to say this to you. Now, I don't mind to go into church on Sunday morning, and I don't mind to giving a little money every now and then, and, and I don't mind acknowledging, you know, just... You know, just kind of being a, a good old Bible belt believer, you know, Lord, I, I don't, I don't mind that. But Lord, I'm just going to tell you right now, this thing of dying to myself, this thing of losing my life, that's just not where I'm at, Lord. That is just not where I'm at. I'll follow you, but I'm going to live for myself. I'll follow you, but I'm going to do my own thing. I'll follow you, Lord, but I'm going to say it's not your will, it's my will. Do you see how ridiculous that sounds? That's ridiculous. When Jesus said, if any man's going to come after me, deny yourself. Take your place on the cross, and you come and follow me. I'll tell you what is absolutely ridiculous in the sight of God. 
for a person to say, I'm a Christian, and to live for themselves and put all their energy and time in themselves, know nothing of what it is to be a servant, know nothing of what it is to be surrendered, and knows nothing of what it is, I'll let go with this earthly life. I'll let go with living for myself. I'll lose my life. I'll take my place in death so I can find life in Jesus Christ. I am telling you, that is so far, that, that idea is so far from Christianity, it is unbelievable. I am telling you, we've watered it down to the place. They just say, well, you just go to church occasionally and, and make a nominal uh, acknowledgement of God, and you're fine. That is an absolute lie. If you're going to follow me, you've got to take your place on the cross. You've got to die to yourself. You've got to lose your life so that I can live my life through you. And anything less than that is not authentic Christianity. And I'm just reading the Word of God. But here's what I found. Jesus said, just follow me to Golgotha. Take your place in death with me on the cross. Just die to yourself and say, God, I want your will. And I don't want to live for myself. I want to live for you. And you told me that's where abundant life is. You came that I might have. And I know that's where joy is and peace is. It's not in living for myself. It's not for being selfish. It's not, no, it's just, it's just letting you, Jesus, live your life through me. And so I gladly take my place in death with you. I gladly die to myself so that I might experience your life. And I just come to, with you to Golgotha and realize that that is the place of death. That is the place of sacrifice. And I die to myself so that you can live your life through me. And friend, that's where life is. If you seek to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. I can honestly say, I'd just soon go to heaven. If in these days we can't follow Jesus with a servant's heart. Man, if we can't follow Jesus with a surrendered heart. And if we can't follow Jesus with a sacrificial heart. And that's what Luke 4.18 is all about. Listen to me, folks. Luke 4.18, it's not about buildings. It's about this, that we want to be a people who know what it is to be like Jesus. It's to serve the Lord and to be surrendered to the Lord as a church and to absolutely die to ourselves. We're not interested in reputation. We're interested in pleasing the living God. Man, he went to Golgotha, and they crucified him. But then there's one last place. Follow me. Where are we going, Lord? We're going to go to the upper room, and you're going to be a servant. Fine. Praise God. That's what you were. (laughs) And I tell you what, we're going to go into Gethsemane, and you're going to learn that that's where you surrender. And it's not your will, but it's my will. And you just surrender moment by moment every day of your life and cry out, my will, not my will, but yours be done. And then we're just going to go on to Golgotha. You're just going to follow me there and you'll just die to yourself and you'll take your place in death and you'll lose your life, but you'll take on my life. But then, oh, listen, th- 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 listen to this though. The next place he went, they buried him in a borrowed tomb. But guess what happened on the third day? He rose again from the dead. 
a risen living Lord. He said, then, he said, let me tell you something. If you get a servant's heart and a surrendered heart and a sacrificial heart, he said, then you can go with me to the empty tomb and I'm going to rise from the dead and I'm going to give and I'm going to have resurrection life. And he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you resurrection life. Woo! That's why Paul said, I want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I'll tell you, friend, it's only when you die that he can live his life in you and you find yourself living in resurrection power. You find yourself overcoming. You find yourself, even though you're in the midst of the battle, you find yourself with the resurrected power of Jesus living in you. And you're not living in your own power and you're not living in your own strength. You are living in the power of the Son of God. It's called resurrection power. Christ lives in me. I'm crucified with Christ. I took my place in death with him, but I'm alive, and it's not me. It's Christ in me. I love Romans chapter 6. He said, now listen to this. This is right here in the Word of God. Romans 6, 5. If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, if we died with him, we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. We'll live with him. If we died with him, we'll live with him. Knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. If we died with Christ, we also shall live with him. And friend, I want to tell you, the Christian life is this. is you get up every day and you, 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 you ask God to give your servant's heart and a surrendered heart and a, a sacrificial, you just die. And then you say, now, Lord Jesus, I want to live in your power today. I want to live in your power. I want to live in resurrection power. I want your life to fill me today. And I don't want to have to live in the flesh. I want to live in the power of a risen Christ. Man, that's, it's called resurrection power. Paul said, I gave up everything. Philippians 3, just read it from verse 8 forward. He said, I let everything go so I could know him and the power of his resurrection. You know, there's a little chorus. I love it when I'm doing something like this and God's speaking to me. And he brings back choruses that we, we've sung. And, and man, I, this little chorus came up to me. I, I, and I'm glad it went along because I could remember every word of it. You're going to recognize it. Now, I want you to listen. You say you're going to sing it? I might. I'm not sure, but listen to it. Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer me, but thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus in me. Woo! Brother Ed, why hadn't we sung that lately? We need to sing that. (laughs) He said, listen, Jesus, you just be Jesus in me. No longer me, I die to myself. I surrender, but no longer me, but thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Hallelujah. Jesus, be Jesus in me. You've got to decide where you want to live your life and how you want to live it. All I know is Jesus said to you and to me, follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. You know, Lord, I want to be a servant. I want to wash feet, Lord. You said he that was greatest among you. I just want to love people. 
wash their feet. I want to bind up their wounds. Pour in the oil and wine of the Spirit of God. And, and I want to help them on their journey. Lord, I want to be a servant. And Lord, I'll tell you something. I want to learn how to surrender. I, I just want to get to the place that the only thing that matters to me is not my will, but yours be done. And then, Lord, every day I just want to die to myself. It's not about selfishness. It's not about my will or my way. I just want to die to myself so that Jesus Christ can live in me. And, Lord, today I want to live in resurrection power. I want to live today in the power of the resurrection. That's the way I want to live, Lord. I don't want to live any other way, any other way, any other way in the power of your resurrection.